You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everybody. I'm Scott Casper. We're in Passport Racing Weekly alongside me, Denny Stevenson. A little bit of a different show on this particular day, but we join with our friends at Absurd After Party and the star of that show, Denny Stevenson. <laughs> Denny, it's a, it's a different weekend. I mean, There's a whole vibe here, a big motocross vibe, and a lot of it is because of um, our our guest star obviously is uh, Justin Brayton. Of course, uh, he's he's made a living at this sport that we all love so well. But he does it so well, and he is sitting by your side. And uh, Denny, if you would, I'm just going to really kind of pass the mic to you because, quite frankly, you know him better than most. And quite frankly, you're highly respected in our sport and also now in the broadcast business. So, big big shout out to you, Denny. How are you? I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I just want to give another shout out to Justin Brayton for having us all here. This is outstanding. Uh, I ran into Justin at the Minneapolis Supercross with my buddy Chad, and we were on our way out at the end of the night, and we we're in the pits. And Justin kind of waved me over and said, "Hey, how you doing?" We hugged each other, and I said, "Hey, well, I got this great event going on at Winterset. You know, we did last year with Cody and, and uh, Tony and everybody, and we'd love to have you. Would you be be a part of it you know, with Damon and, and Swap?" And uh, and I said, "Absolutely." You know, as Chad, as, as Justin mentioned earlier. There's no better deal than shooting stories of, of the olden days and even of the future days, like you said. So, um, Justin, thank you for having me. Swap, welcome. I haven't seen you forever. I, I, you need to have shaved in a while, I see. <laughs> Since last time I seen you. That, that was Millville, I think, right? Yep. So, will we see you again at Millville? Sure. Bring a backpack this time, though. I will. I got a brand new one yeah. for my daughter. So, Justin, uh, let's just jump some some stories, man. Let's go to the first time I, we met. Um, Ida Grove. I don't think that's around any longer, obviously. No, I don't think so, no. It was a night track. Uh, my friend, Ricky Draper, uh, invited me out to, to practice that night. I think you and I were still debating what year it was exactly. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. And what, if I was uh, riding a Honda or a Cowie, I'm not sure. Which yeah, it, was, it was in the yeah. fall, early fall. Yeah. And I know you were getting ready for the U.S. Open at the time because U.S. Open was in October. So I think it was September-ish because <laughs> I know I was in school. So I'll never forget the day I got a phone call. Uh, the night before you were going there from the track owners at Ida Grove. And um, they said, hey, Denny's going to be here tomorrow. Denny Stevenson. I was like, oh, no way. So first thing I talked to my parents, I'm like, hey, I've got to skip school tomorrow. I have to go ride or, or see Denny ride. So that's how it all started. So I, I skipped school that day to uh, to come ride with you. Yeah. And so uh, I'm just ripping a moto around the track, doing like a 20 lap or something. And uh, I'd seen Justin uh, pulling in the pits and just a pickup and, and his bike in the back, unloaded it and um, he pulled in behind me and I think I ran, I, I think I went even more laps. I, I, I wanted to, I couldn't believe like this kid was chasing me down. Like he was, he was faster than I was. He was smoother than I was. And I'm like, who the f is this kid? <laughs> and we're the only ones there. So there, you came with Draper. With Ricky. Yeah, it was just Ricky. So there's like, there's three of us on, on the, the track. track. So it was like, we, it was easy yeah. to find each other and, 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 yeah. the, and the spot each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and after the race or after that practice session, I remember we sat down in the back here to Kelgate and, uh. Yeah just like who the hell are you kid you like you rip and yeah. uh my point is is obviously justin uh 
showed incredible skill, incredible talent, incredible hum humility uh, in that first day I met you. And it, it's, a, it's a moment I'll, I've always cherished. Yeah, same here. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, you've been one of, my, one of my heroes for the longest time being from the Midwest. And um, like you and Chad, Chad being from the same town I grew up in in Iowa, and you being from Omaha, like you guys are the ones who kind of paved the way for me to see that it is possible. And for all you kids out there, a lot of times being from where we are, it snows all winter and, and it doesn't seem that possible because so many guys are, are from the West Coast or from Florida. And these two guys paved the way for me. So I knew if I could get a chance to, to see you ride or, or uh, maybe jump in behind you to kind of see like, hey, is he superhuman or am I okay at this? So, um, no, absolutely. Yeah, I think, cool. I think uh, we always gauge ourselves. I mean, as you race a moto, it, it, in everything you do, you're competitive. I don't care what it is. You're yeah. The first guy to eat your dinner, the first one to go grab the mail, the first one to grab the remote. You know, I mean, we grew up that way. And uh, I grew up the same way with, you know, riding guys and uh, when I was a kid and, and you go out and, and you, you, you do, you, you, sometimes race racers are larger than life. Their personalities are larger than life. Their compliments, compliments are so huge. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you got to believe in yourself and, and maybe extend yourself out there beyond your comfort level, which you did that night. You came out there just to have some fun. And, yeah. you know, and uh, I think that that really, you know, it puts you on the map with me because I remember telling people about you. Like, yeah, you got yeah. to see this Jesuit break kid, man, just yeah. it as an and animal. Even, even before that. So obviously I'd watch races on TV, but I always tell people like guys like Denny, uh, even Chad, because he was a little bit older than me. So I didn't get to see him ride around the area that much. And, and Damon, they seem like cartoon characters because the only time you see them is on TV. So you don't think that it's real or that you could go that fast. So when I got, you know, like I said, I was in high school. I was maybe a junior or senior in high school. And once you can start to ride or see guys like that, and that's the advantage that some, some other kids have now is, is they're all training facility kids or, or get to ride with faster guys, um, then you can kind of see the level and say, you know what, these guys aren't superhuman. And um, maybe I can be that guy one day. So that's kind of how it was for, for the guys I'm sitting next to. It, maybe it is realistic because Chad growing up, like I said, in the same town a couple miles away and, uh, and Denny being from the Midwest, it was, it's pretty cool. super special for me to have these guys here sitting in between these guys and having Damon here. Um, man, it's just super cool because they're my heroes. They're the guys that, like I said, paved the way. And uh, for me to know it was possible being from the Midwest. And I think that, uh, like you said, with you, I think that next November, October was Des Moines Arena Cross, yep. which was Damon's debut in Arena Cross that year with us, yep. um, with the season. What, what, year, what year was that, Damon, your first year? So, uh, I think, was it? So, was thinking. Because we started, like, in 2000 and then finished in November. It was, it was 2000. 2000, 2001 then. I think so, 2000, 2001. And that's what we were thinking. And Swap, you were racing that same night as I don't well. No. Were you not? Were you were racing at that point? I don't know if I was racing or not. The next year, then you came back. The next year, the next I came year. Back yeah. and Bud and filleted us. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's just, I mean, that's all crazy as a sport is. Yeah. Or even, you know, small. Buddy was done. Buddy, I know, think. He, he was in Supercross. And then came Then came back. back. Yeah. So, kind of crazy story. We'll talk about that when Damon came back in my first race, but fast forward a little bit what Chad was talking about. So when Chad, it was kind of your comeback, yeah. right, back to back to Arena Cross, and uh, me and Chad being the hometown guys, it was my second year racing Arena Cross, and then Buddy Antonez, who was the, I think at the time he was probably four-time champ. Did he come back and win another one? No, no, I don't think. Once no, he left right. for Supercross, he was okay, gone. Okay, so he was five-time champ, went to Supercross, was pretty successful, came back, 
and uh, Chad was was going super fast. So obviously hometown crowd, and then myself. Well, Chad Holshots the first heat race of the night. Uh, I'm second. Budman's third. And oh God, I remembered that. Yeah, I think I was behind you. I think I was in fourth. And, and Budman passed me. Yeah, Budman passed me, and I was like, "Here's my chance. He's the champ. Like I, I gotta, I gotta do this." So I pass him back. Well, the very next turn, uh, Chad was going outside. I was going inside. Well, Budman went even further inside, T-boned me into Chad, and me and Chad hit helmets and knocked Chad out and knocked right me down. And Budman goes on to win the race. Yeah. <laughs> I remember him getting booed out of there that night, though. So. Oh, you want to talk about getting yeah. booed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 1994, I think it was, I think. Oh, I don't know. 93? I don't know. I had raced Arena Cross a, a handful of times. And whenever it came close to home, I did something stupid. I went a race in Lincoln one year. I, I, I planned a race in Lincoln Arena Cross Friday night, get on a flight Saturday morning to San Diego to race a Supercross. And Sugi told me, don't do it. Don't, that's a bad idea. And I'm like, I'm doing it. Said, How often do I have to get a home race in your home city? And I told everybody at the opening ceremonies, I'm here for one night to kick everybody's ass and I'm leaving. And I proceeded to hit the wall, crash, and broke my hand. <laughs> so that didn't go well. And then What's the next Sugi say about that? Uh, by, well, my dad's at the races, you know, and he has to t with at, in, this, with the, in the pits, and he's, I have to call him. That's the worst call oh, I've yeah, ever had to make. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that did not go over well. And then the next year, I came back to did Arena Cross again at Des Moines, and I had uh, I rode two laps of, of 125 practice. My dad was warming up my 250, and I went over the bars and broke my leg. <laughs> and so frustrated. Obviously, Arena Cross was, had been frustrating for me at that point. Yeah. And so the next year, I came back again to Des Moines, and I had led the entire 125 main. And on the last lap, I cased the catapult. Chad attempted to go around me in the corner after on the last lap. And I just, like, no freaking way you're going to make this pass, Chad. You're silly. You know, how long have we been friends? <laughs> and I punted him over the berm. And uh, you, like you said, I've never heard a place yell, be so viciously mean. <laughs> I was booed. And I was like, just said, you know, and I'm on the podium. And Robbie Floyd has had interviewed Chad. And Chad just kind of said, hey, it's racing. You know, we've been friends a long time. And, you know, basically shit happens. And then they got to me and they just re, you know, were throwing beer cups out of the stands and everything. And I, and I said, hey, if, if, if my buddy Chad doesn't have a problem with it, then you guys can just all kiss my ass. <laughs> that went over got, well. Yeah, we've got some loyal Quite fans well. here in Iowa. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, it's, uh, it's been a, a great career with you, uh, you, a brief one with you, a very long one with, with Chad, and an even longer one with Damon. The first race I raced with Damon, I was 11 years old. At Ponca City NMA, it was my very first race. Damon was eight, a factory Yamaha rider. I was just, you know, first time our family's down there. Um, and that was my first introduction to him. I remember sitting on the start line with, yep. for I our finals. Like it was yesterday. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff I don't remember, but. It's that, funny the things I remember. Yep. And I had, we both had won our qualifiers, you know, our, 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 for the finals. We you won, were riding Cali, right? That was it was about Yamaha. It was my first year. Right. Okay. Yep. And we had both won our. our you know, back then you had to run your qualifiers, you go into the main, we both win the main events with one point each, and then whoever won was going to win. Right. And I was losing my mind. I was like, man, I've never been in this kind of pressure. I'm not like sweating bullets on the start line. And my dad's over talking to you and your mechanic or your dad. Yeah, see, I didn't think that about you, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At, that at that time, I was like what you're talking about. That's how yeah, I Yeah, my dad said, man, he's so laid back. He just doesn't tell me how he was practicing with Glover at Gainesville this last week and stuff. And I'm like, oh, man, that's not helping me, Dad. <laughs> and, uh, you know, then our careers... Uh, Kind of intertwined a little bit in, uh, through the years. Um, I remember going to Florida Winter Olympics. I remember shooting water bling shots, uh, slingshots. Oh, God. Yeah. Into the highway. You were with yeah. us, too. Yeah, I was with you guys, too. Yeah. I mean, so that's the sport. What year did all you guys turn pro? 
Mine first my, year was oh, telling. Well, mine was telling of 88. 88. So I rode the last two nationals in 88 and then obviously full yeah. season in 89. Did, <clears throat> mine was 89. Gotcha. How did you do your first national? Uh, let's see. First one was Millville. I got 635 or something was your number? 638. Six, damn, that was close. Yeah, yeah. And, damn, I pay uh, attention to sport way too much. <laughs> Millville, I think I got fourth. And then Washougal, it was like ninth or tenth. I didn't do that well. And then you turn pro? I turned pro in 87 was my first national. Oh, so all the same. Yeah. Really within a couple of years. Same area. How'd your first national go? My first national was at Millville. And I thought, man, that's when DMC had that Kawasaki Team Green, like with Bader Benet and Talon Bowl or Tyson Boland. And that was kind of the Team Green kid that they brought up. So I went up there and we did practice on the press day and stuff. And my lap times were like right with those guys. I could run with any of them. So I'm thinking, man, no problem. Top 15 this day. I didn't qualify. <laughs> I crashed in the heat race, crashed in the last chance qualifier and watched the race with my buddies. But my second national was San Antonio when it was a full mutter, 110 degrees. And my dad, he's an old drag racer. So He's very attentive of, of, of the starting techniques and things and lines. We're walking into this to park your bike or not park, get on the line. Everybody walked on the outside line and packed the, packed the line down. And my dad's like, hey, it's, it's the middle's a swamp. The outside line's packed. I know it's 40th gate. What do you think? I'm like, well, let's give her a go. What do we got to lose here? And I whole shot my first moto. And then I end up crashing and tipping over a corner and end up getting a fifth. So that was my first national. So then the second moto, I was, it was 120 degrees. I, was, I barely made it to the second moto. I was cramping so bad. And probably some of these people, it seemed like everybody would usually do the tail end of the nationals because I know for me, when I turned 16, it would have been in July, and then we had Loretta's. Yep. And then right after Loretta's, then you would go and run the last two nationals that was left, you know, for the season. So I think a lot of guys kind of did that. That was like Even similar your today, yeah. yeah. We'll the, now it's the last three. Okay. So the Loretta's, and then there's usually three nationals. Right. And it used to always be Millville was the third to the last one. So being from here. We'd always go to Millville, like, all right, who's new amateurs coming up? And you said yours was first one was at yeah. Millville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's no longer that way. Millville's earlier, but. but now you know you can. I just read this. Uh, you can ride like three or four nationals and still ride Loretta's. Like before you ride Loretta's. Oh really? Like they could race. Uh, they could be know. a couple of amateur kids could have raced it today, and still race Loretta's, which was kind of that way when I raced. You could still yeah. ride some nationals and stuff. And I, I don't. I think they changed that to try and give the kids some more experience. Yeah. So that way it's not such a shock. Yeah, I didn't know that. New rules. Hey, keep up. Oh, always. I don't know. I, I Racer X had it was on their website. So, Chad, tell us about today. Uh, today, I got in a lot of motos or a lot of practice. Feeling a little sore. <laughs> you look. You look like you're getting sore uh, by the minute sitting here. Yeah, it's. Uh, it was. It was good. I haven't ridden in quite a while. So, is that rigor mortis that sets in? Yeah, well, <laughs> that's what I say. <laughs> I yeah. is, is rigor mortis the right word though? Really? Yeah, I mean, you look good, you dude. Yeah. You look it's, good. It's, it's, it was good. We're talking with Chad Swap Pedersen. It's Justin Brayton shootout weekend here on Pit Pass and also on, of course, the uh, seriously absurd after party uh, hosted by Danny Stevenson and company. But um, this is a weekend where we celebrate motor motorcycle racing. I mean, this is not just a culture. This is how we live. Damon Bradshaw has been a part of it for how many years, Damon? Last year was first year. Said no, no. I'm, <laughs> oh, I thought you told me for life. I mean, how long have you been involved in motorcycle racing? I started racing when I was four. You're you started at four, yep, and now four. you're twenty eight. Close, close. Had a couple more. All right, <laughs> 46, yeah, or 46. What is the what is the what does it look like as far as the timeline for today's modern racer? I mean. 
football players three and a half, four years in the NFL. Major League Baseball, perhaps a little bit longer. Basketball, even longer. But what is the life expectancy of the average motorcycle racer? Because if you look at guys like Kenny Roxon, you know, he came back so quickly from what many saw as a career-ending injury. But now you've got guys like Justin Brayton. I mean, you've said it on our show on Pit Pass. You said that this will be your last year. Is that right? Or next year is your last year? Um. Well, I've got all my contracts go through 2020, so through next year, and then I'll just reassess. I'm not quite ready to say I'm done next year, but um, obviously I'm not getting any younger. I'm 35. I'll be 36 next year, and that'll be my my 10th year in the 450 class, and um, we'll just see. I mean uh, – Which is longer than most. I mean, it was pretty rare. I think Warrior was one of the only ones ever hit 30, and that was pretty outlandish, you know, and what you, Chad, have done – do you, I mean, Damon, you know the pressure of it, and you know with your career, and it, is it the? I think that's it, the part that's helped me though, because I've never been like, I never really won any amateur titles. I've never won a Supercross till last year. So for you guys, like you were top amateur. Chad was a best in the nation at, at one time. I, I still hear stories about Chad on 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 eighties how he's ripping and Damon had the pressure probably like none of us have ever felt. So I think that's what gets people out of our sport. I think oh, Damon right. could explain it better than any of us, but I've never really had that pressure. So I've slowly worked my way in and I, I say it a lot, but I may be one of the only guys that has truly showed up to a race and not being good enough to qualify. And then the next year show up and barely qualify. And then the next year get top 15. Then the next year get top 10, like, and then be a top five guy, and then be, at one point, uh, a few years back on, on Honda, I was in title contention in 2012 and 2014. So then I started to feel that pressure. And now I can relate when I go to Australia and Europe, like I have to win. It's no holds bar, have to win. And that's on such a small scale. But for Damon and, and these guys to feel that pressure, I wouldn't be racing today if I felt that pressure for that long. So um, I think I've had fun with it, and I've been – Luckily, had teams and people that have believed in me that have let me progress into the guy that I've become. But, um, Damon, I think that's probably why you, oh, you know, sure. we're done pretty sure. early. I mean, it, it uh, you really can't put the pressure into, into words. And for me, it wasn't sponsors or it wasn't Omaha or parents or anything that put the pressure. Once I turned professional, it was pretty much myself because it was that expectation, like you said, going to Australia now that you've been successful there you don't want to be any less than that and yeah. um <clears throat> you know you had posted something and my my uh first supercross win was in actually osaka japan Oops. and i think i was 16 yeah and um and 16 years old imagine that 250 supercross and which is equivalent to 450 today right. a 16 year old kid jumping out there and beating rocks and and you know and, and those guys it, it's impossible it wouldn't happen and, and yet you laid it down well i mean i was on the on the podium with ricky johnson and throughout that main event, the, the track was hard to pass on. It was a little bit muddy, a little bit ruddy. And uh, I don't know, Ricky probably ran into me three times. And, and one of the times the handlebar, I was in the berm and he came in and his handlebar hit me in the top of the head. And, um, but anyway, standing on the podium, it's kind of where this whole pressure thing really obviously started building. We're standing on the podium and he goes, I, I won't say exactly what he said, but basically you've made a mistake now. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, because now when you don't win, everybody's gonna wanna know what happened. 
And that was the truth. From that day forward, it didn't matter whether it was second, third, or 20th. It was what happened. It just couldn't be that. You showed too much too soon almost. Yeah. 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 And you'd had, I mean, I loved your career. I mean, I'm a huge fan of yours. Been, like I said, I, I've never seen someone ride with such anger and passion on, on a bike. You know, I mean, you would, you could literally put that thing anywhere you wanted, anytime. And I remember, well, I think it was your first Supercross, right? Miami. Um, I was on Suzuki. I was on a Kawasaki. Would have been 88, right? Uh, 89. 89. And I'd gone down and stayed with Ronnie Tishner because I was good friends with him. And we'd done press day and stuff. And the track was a, what could you call, explain that, a sponge? Yep. I mean, it was That's literally exactly. like you could stand on one on a tabletop and go this way, and the tread would go boom, 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 boom. It was all the way down the start. So it weird. That it was like had air pot and stuff, and then it had white sand in the, in the rhythm sections. And Damon, uh, I, I, I don't know how many times. How many times did you crash? I mean, you won, right? I, yeah, I think you passed I, me three times. I think. Yeah, I think I fell four times. Four times. <laughs> I mean, it, it just and he was just he was doing jump. I still won. I mean, he was jumping his on off section that no one would do, and you can make up four seconds in a lap by doing it. Was it. huge. Yeah, yeah and then he crash. And I'd pass him, and he'd come falling by me again. <laughs> and uh, it was just, I, I know it's sight to be seen when you're just like, you're kind of just in awe of, of your own competitor. Like, did, I, did he just really just do that to me? And everyone else, you know, on the track at his first Supercross at 16, and 125. Um, and then uh, let's make it a little lighter. Let's, let's talk, how about a couple of chicken stories? I heard you didn't really uh, launch your bike at him in Japan. And uh, there are so many, and you know, I, I look back on some. And of the chicken's one of my good friends, best friends growing up and stuff. And uh, you know, and I, I wasn't friends with anybody, and it wasn't really because of I don't know. That was my motivation. It was like you guys were talking, you being friends and racing and running into one another. My thing was is if I wasn't friends with them, I knew how they were going to treat me on the racetrack. But if we were friends or buddies or whatever, then I kind of didn't really know. Like if you're going into a corner. Oh, yeah, yeah, Budman used to do that to me all the time. I'm like, oh, I think we're friends, and he knocked me down. <laughs> so, and that was just—he's he's an asshole. That was just my motivation of, of, and you know, I was only close with just a couple of riders, but um, it's different, obviously, nowadays. And not that. Now, uh, could you imagine training with, uh, you know, like Marvin and, and Coop do? Yeah, and that I, stuff? I wonder like, about you know, I wonder about that, but obviously they they they, they, they make it work. They can yeah. still they can still get out there and race hard against one another and. Um, you know, and it, again, the, back to the, the chicken stories is I see some of those videos and I go, man, that was, it was bad. You know, it was really bad. And, but what I was telling these guys is you don't realize what was going on prior to those wrecks and what I was dealing with or what chicken was dealing with. And then it, it does come out in anger. And sometimes it's probably could battle. And after the race, we could talk about it. It was fine, but there was just 99% of everybody else. It wasn't like that. And that is the sport. I mean, that is, uh, it's how people handle the, 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 the camaraderie, the, even the riders, like Justin and I were talking earlier. I, I was, a, I think the biggest problem I had is I was a Jersey watcher almost. I was like, who, oh God, am I racing with Bale? I don't want to mess up Bale, you know? And uh, I think that, you know, obviously you can't race that way. You know, everybody's got to be a, an enemy, like you said, not, not necessarily an enemy, but that no one's better than you. You're out there, you already earned your spot. And I, I feel like that it's easier, or at least it was for me, until you started winning those expectations because you're young, you're coming in and then all of these guys that have been there for years, they really have everything to lose. You have nothing to lose, everything to gain. So for me, it was like yeah. riding the ragged edge because you just felt like that if you crashed, well, no big deal. But if you won, it was great. But there was no championships that followed that. <laughs> Damon Bradshaw, guest here on this uh, Justin Brayton weekend. We're going to take a quick timeout on the uh, combined effort this weekend with Absurd After Party and, of course, Pitt.
So do me a favor, stand by. We'll be back after the short timeout. Stay tuned. So far, I think the show is going really, really well. I do. Except, Damon, I need you to not talk as much, okay? Okay. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, when, I come, when we come back, I'd really like you to talk about gearing up for a season and then coming to a full stop at Vets Auditorium. Justin, you know what I'm talking about, right? What's up? Did you break a leg or two? Oh, yeah. Okay. Are you all ready for this? Here we go in three, two. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is a Pit Pass on the Road with Absurd After Party, Denny Stevenson, Justin Braden, Damon Bradshaw, Chad Swap-Petterson, a former... Could you imagine training bail? I don't want to mess up. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts. Mm -hmm. 